This is a professional edge. My name's Seen Todd, tax attorney, CPA, and certified financial planner. We're talking about love potion number nine, how it applies to your estate plan. So think about this when you know you hear love potion number nine as an older listener or as a younger listener. Um, look it up on YouTube and listen to that song. It's a pretty great song. It's just classic, um, pretty enlightening. It puts you in a good mood, or at least it does me. So when we're talking about love potion number nine, the estate planning that needs to take place, great place to start that would be going to our website at emcadvisors.com. That is echomarycharlieadvisors.com. And on the right-hand side, we have a red radio button, which is the ultimate estate plan guide. Go ahead and select that, and we'll send that information out to you for free. Reason what um, we want to provide that is to, A, get you on the first step to getting your estate plan done. So you just got to take that first step to figure out what you need to do. You don't do this on a regular basis, so that's a great starting point. Again, that is emcadvisors.com. So back to love potion number nine, let's talk about having a trust to plan your estate. What's the pros and cons? Well, the cons are a lot of people don't understand what a trust is. So with a trust, we have some uh, legal advantages. Number one, we keep our affairs private. So when you pass away, this is completely different than passing away with the last will and testament. All our affairs are private. The administration of that estate is in the confines of an office. Yes, we have to do some documents, but it is not a public display of your information. Whereas with the last will and testament, that is a, uh, in the terms of monopoly, do not pass go, do not um, go anywhere except for the probate court. So again, um, we... When we file that document in the probate court, the last one testament, that is a public forum. Anyone listening here on the professional edge can walk down to the probate court and look at all those documents. It's a public display. Sometimes if the accounting's not waived, then you can see exactly what account, how much it's worth, what real estate, who's it going to, is all public information. So being in Columbus, Phoenix City, I know this is a small town. It operate, it's a big city, but it operates like a small town. And if you don't want everyone to know your affairs, then maybe a trust makes more sense to plan your estate. So we draft the trust and then when you pass away, the administration of your estate is not a public display of information. That's number one benefit. Number two benefit is we don't have to go through the probate court process to move these assets to the rightful beneficiary. So we don't have this probate delay and this administration expense. We don't have the creditors and all this other stuff that goes along with it when we probate an estate. So therefore, the administration of your estate is far more efficient with the use of a trust as your estate planning document. Then the next thing is if we have property that is real property outside the state of our domicile, let's say you reside in Georgia and you have a place down there in the panhandle and it's in your individual name, then we a, get that title 
corrected, and when you pass away, we don't have ancillary probate, and that would be probate in the great state of Florida, and they have some rules and regulations there, and um, you're going to hire an attorney down in Florida. So now you got a Florida attorney down there, and then you have your Georgia attorney up here, your Alabama attorney, and these two attorneys are talking together. So if you have a probate estate in Florida, a probate estate in your domicile state, then we have two probates actually, and that just becomes extra fees, costs, and expenses. A lot of our listeners here on the professional edge don't like to pay lawyers. They're very expensive. Uh, I'm one of them. And, you know, I, I don't like paying for legal expenses. But you know what? Sometimes you need to pay that to get it done to save some money. They add value. So when we have this trust, we can avoid the ancillary probate. That is probate in your non-domicile state. And again, a lot of listeners have second homes, second properties outside of their domicile state. And therefore, we can avoid that ancillary probate by using a revocable trust as being the estate planning document. The next thing, which is another advantage of that revocable living trust, is that the affairs are private. They go down to the beneficiary. The beneficiary can then have a testamentary trust as their planning vehicle. So what does that mean? Well, if um, the surviving spouse is a spendthrift, then we can actually set this money up in trust so they can't go broke by spending it, squandering it. And this is in the case of your children. So when you pass away, you have your trust that then establishes a trust for your children. And it doles out the money based on the terms and conditions in which you outline. That's a very good document. Reason being is they're not going to be able to squander your inheritance. Uh, average time is 92 to 93 days. Your life savings is squandered by the beneficiaries. Yes, it does happen. We've seen it all the time. So let's just put it brakes on it and put it in a testamentary trust. And therefore, the kids are going to get three bites at the apple. We're going to dole it out um, uh, one third, one third, one third. And we may stagger that over five year increments. But in the interim, we can allow them access to those trust proceeds for, let's say, health care, for their ed education or as a safety net in case they lose their job. So we can always draft this trust to be as flexible or as stringent as may be needed. So when you're sitting there scratching your head, you're saying, hey, I'm not Jeff Bezos. I'm not worth billions of dollars. I don't really need this testamentary trust. Well, you would be surprised the benefits of this. Um, you may have that spendthrift child or you may have a child that's chemically dependent on something that protects them from themselves. And yes, you're controlling things from the grave, but you're doing it in the child's best interest. You're not doing it for control. You're doing it for the act of love, actually, because you don't want them to harm themselves. And that's the best thing you can do. It's actually um, a lasting um, gesture of love to try and protect them. That's the way we see it. And, you know, once the client walks through it, they see it that way, too. It's not control. It's it's an act of love, um, setting things up so you protect the child from themselves. So, again, to have that discussion, give our office a call at 877-654-9798. That number again, 877-654-9798. So on the love potion number nine, we have this trust that we put in place. We have this testamentary trust. 
And you say, okay, that takes care of those things. But what about this IRA? We have a largest financial asset is normally um, the qualified account. And you say, okay, uh, my trust, I'm going to give everything to my surviving spouse. Well, that's all well and good, but your largest financial asset is not controlled by your trust. It's not controlled by your will. It's controlled by the beneficiary designation on your plan itself. So in the case of an IRA or 401k, we're controlling, let's say, an $800,000 401k by a simple one-line item designation. Hmm, that's important. Um, we have $800,000 and we're controlled by a standardized document that everyone else signs. And this is going to be controlling of our largest financial asset. Okay, how many of you have actually read the fine details of that beneficiary designation? Um, I would tend to guess that 99.9% .9 of you have not read that fine detail because when you signed up for the 401k, you immediately put your spouse, kids second, or you put your estate thinking you had your estate planning documents done. Being a listener here on the professional edge, we know that that is the very worst decision that you can make on a financial account, being a 401k, to name your estate as being the primary beneficiary because that lights the tax time bomb on that. So again, if you're not sure on who your designation is on your designated beneficiary in your 401k or your IRA, it's a wake up call to find that out. So again, love potion number nine on the estate planning concepts, we got to make sure that we have the proper beneficiary designation on that and contingent beneficiaries because you risk the chance of disinheriting your children. Let's talk about this real quick. So you give this entire 401k to your surviving spouse. Unfortunately, you pass away. The surviving spouse receives this account and rolls it over to their account now as a spousal rollover. And they are young, let's say in their 50s, and they get remarried. And lo and behold, husband number two has this amazing 1-800-financial-firm. And we're going to work through this firm. We're going to save some money. And now wife says, okay, I'm going to follow suit because this is what husband number two wants. So lo and behold, the IRA transfers over to this 1-800 financial firm. And wow, they're going to help you move this over and get everything set up. And lo and behold, they really don't go through the matriculation of the details. And therefore, on her IRA, that $800,000 in our example, they just go ahead and name the primary beneficiary husband number two. Well, they, they just, did they ask the question? I don't know. Do they have to? I don't know. Don't really. Because in that estate planning advice and if you look at the small details on the documents the account setup instructions they say we don't give legal advice so the beneficiary designation on that account um, they can say mm, that's legal advice we didn't actually give legal advice this is what the account holder wanted well when the account holder is gone um, can't really ask them a question can we so the 1-800 firm is just going to rely on who the primary beneficiary is. Well, if something happened to her, the primary beneficiary is husband number two. So he gets it. 
But what about the kids of the first marriage? The 800000 is actually husband number two's lifetime earnings that were put away. But because nobody's paying attention to detail and this love potion number nine got in the way, and we have husband number two here, and nobody's paying attention to details, then um, husband number two is going to inherit the entire IRA, and the children of the first marriage are completely disinherited. So if this um, sort of wakes you up from being in that love potion number nine scenario, um, we can, A, structure it to where the surviving spouse would receive that IRA. They would be entitled to the IRA, but if they get remarried, then the uh, husband number two in our example would not be able to receive or inherit the IRA when the surviving spouse passes away. So if this is of uh, importance to you, I think it should be because a lot of our listeners here on the professional edge their largest financial asset is their qualified account. It's controlled by a beneficiary designation, which again needs to be coordinated. Being a tax attorney, a CPA, and certified financial planner, we integrate this. And to start that conversation, give our office a call at 877-654-9798. 877-654-9798. Thanks for listening to The Professional Edge. Be sure to share these um, podcast with other individuals going forward. Again, if you uh, get on a Apple podcast or a Google podcast and you uh, insert the words professional edge, you'll see the show there on the podcast. Very excited about having these available and do share them and say, hey, Jim, you might want to listen to this. You were talking about estate planning. This is a great podcast. Um, Love Potion number nine gives you some uh, insight on estate planning. Again, thanks for listening to Professional Edge. My name's Seen Todd, tax attorney, CPA, and certified financial planner. With today's financial markets, are you getting the personal and professional attention you and your money deserve? Clients of estate management counselors benefit from having one set of professionals advise them on their tax, estate planning, and investment advice. We call that the professional edge. Seen Todd is a tax attorney, CPA, and certified financial planner. With over 15 years experience, he welcomes the opportunity to assist you in preparing for retirement, implement effective tax planning strategies, and to help you properly plan your estate. His radio show, The Professional Edge, is aired weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. If you're interested in meeting with Scene, call his office at 877-654-9798. That's 877-654-9798. Do you want to feel more confident about making the right investment, tax, and estate planning decisions? Today, these decisions are more complex than ever. Have you thought about working with a professional advisor and not sure who to turn to? Not sure what qualifies one to be an advisor? Seen Todd is more than qualified as a tax attorney, CPA, and certified financial planner. Seen is with Estate Management Counselors. Estate Management Counselors operates as an independent fee-only investment advisory firm. They're dedicated to gaining a personal understanding of the 
their clients' objectives and implementing professional counsel and advice to achieve those objectives. So take a second to talk with Scene Todd to learn how you can benefit from their multidisciplinary practice where they coordinate their clients' legal, tax, and investment strategies into one comprehensive and integrated plan to enhance and protect their clients' financial security. You can reach estate management counselors and speak with Scene Todd by calling 1-877-654-9798. That's 1-877-654-9798.